M1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Off his back foot, caught first down and more down the sideline. Stop and start, Edwards. Touchdown, Colorado. Travis from the pocket, long looping throw. And now man again. Keon Coleman has a hat trick in his first game with Florida State. Riley Leonard, if you didn't know the name, you're going to be hearing it a lot for the rest of the season. Waters inside the 10. Waters making a house call with the excavation point on this one. 36-yard touchdown. Knocked down and rolls into center off the glove of Marteo. Hearn is home. Mullins is Baltimore 5-4 lead. Boy, that's what you want, a hard-hit ball right at the infielder. But a little too hot to handle. 2-2 on the way. On the first, O'Hearn's got it. Baltimore takes this one 8-5, and they take the series two games to one. And suddenly the Diamondbacks are looking at a very tenuous wild card position. They've dropped five in their last six. Yeah, once again, uh, just couldn't seem to get things clicking offensively. Arizona's all over it. Smothered by Uwe Ungalale. To Cario Davis, the distance. Right there, you're going to see interior pressure off the left-hand side. Uyungle gets both mitts there, and Davis, right place, right time. And here's the next pitch. That's fouled back on the right side, back to the club level. And now the Angels are headed out to the mound, so there seems to be some concern about Otani. You just mentioned the velocity appeared to be down. He's not throwing a fastball above 94. And that is going to end the day for Shohei. Yeah, he is going to leave. Yeah, there was been concern, obviously, with missing the last two weeks. Cup in motion. The give to Cup. And Cup with a lot of room. Down the sideline. Cooper Cup into the end zone with a rushing touchdown. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Tuesday, September 5th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Kiss Lux HD 2 100.7, the Pac 12 was at the most impressive conference in week one. The Diamondbacks, why do they seldom beat good opponents? The Wildcats, what stood out during the win over NAU? Shohei Otani, why hasn't he been shut down? The Rams, does Cooper Cup's hamstring alter your game one opinion versus the Seahawks? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. At 9.15, our uh, fantasy football uh, week one preview. Uh, John McKechnie scheduled to join us for rotowire.com. 
9.30 or so, interactive action at 602-260-1060 and also the local roundup. That will include some Cardinals, Diamondbacks, and U of A football. And then the final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup, top by the latest line for NFL week number one. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And as always, we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, was the Pac-12 the most impressive conference during college football's first big weekend? And Corey's here and has the early returns. Leading right now is yes, 87% of the vote there. No at 33% on KDUS1060.com. The Pac-12 now 13-0 after a perfect 12-0 week one. Of course, that followed USC week, uh, the USC week zero victory over San Jose State. By the way, uh, the ACC won both primetime showdowns uh, with the mighty SEC. North Carolina physically destroyed South Carolina on Saturday night, and Florida State ran away in the second half against LSU. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, are you concerned with the Diamondbacks uh, with the Diamondbacks after they went 1-5 last week versus the first-place Dodgers and first-place Orioles? And, Corey, what do we have here? Leading here is, yes, 61.5% of the vote there. No, at 38.5% of the vote on KDUSAM1060 on Twitter. Arizona following the Monday victory over the way below 500 Colorado Rockies. The Diamondbacks now 71-67 on the season. They are 39 and 21 against opponents below 500, but they're just 12 and 46 against teams over 500. Meanwhile, also on the local front, the U of A did not lose again to NAU. The U of A uh, led just 13, uh, 14 to three, excuse me, in the third quarter on Saturday night in Tucson, when NAU actually scored a touchdown that was uh, nullified by penalty. That was almost immediately followed by a blocked field goal return for a touchdown that gave the U of A 21-3 lead in the eventual 38-3 victory. What stood out during the U of A's uh, second-half runaway win over NAU? Meanwhile, spanning the globe, there was plenty of Shohei Otani news. Uh, the Angels' two-way player, uh, Mr. Shohei Otani, a late scratch, on Monday after batting practice because of what the team said was an oblique injury, why hasn't Shohei Otani been shut down for the season? Meanwhile, uh, back to uh, you know, stay, actually stay in the L.A. area here. Cooper Cup, at last report, was expected to be examined by a specialist for a hamstring injury. Cup seems questionable to play in the Rams' Week 1 game at Seattle. So who do you like in week one in Seattle, the Rams minus five, excuse me, the Rams plus five, or the Seahawks minus five? Once again, the Rams plus five or the Seahawks minus five. A little FYI, that point spread moved from four to five after Monday's latest report regarding Cooper Cup's hamstring situation. Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All the way back to last Friday which weirdly seems like a long time ago. That's the pipeline for today. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. 
Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey will have a news update. That'll be followed by a uh, week one fantasy football preview. John McKechnie joins us from rotowire.com as we start our weekly discussions with John. Today's discussion is going to be a little different than what we're going to be doing throughout the regular season. I'll explain that at the top of the next segment. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, it'll be phone call time, general discussion if you want to get in. Bots happened since we were here last Friday, 602-260-1060. Also in that bottom of the hour segment, we'll have the local roundup topped by some uh, Diamondbacks and uh, get to the little Cardinals in that segment too. Uh, also the Diamondbacks a little, little bit from the last four days and some observations from the U of A victory over NAU. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7. morning drive just got a little better the dan patrick show is live weekday morning starting at six exclusively on kdus am 1060 Dude, come on. Love my girl. all right welcome back to the sports zone with bob kemp on kdus am 1060 and kiss lux hd2 100.7 you're on the dan patrick show live monday through friday from six to nine a.m this is our weekly time for fantasy football, and uh, you know, starting next week, this segment is going to have be kind of a combination of what we've learned from the previous week, some waiver wire strategy, and also look to the week ahead. It's going to be a little bit different today. We're now joined in the sports center by John McKechnie of RotoWire.com, and John, today let's kind of uh, look at some hot topics and look ahead to week one, a combination thereof. Let's start with week one on Thursday night. How does Kansas City? Not have, well, I'm guessing, likely without Chris Jones, their stud defensive lineman. How's that change your approach with what lions you can use in a fantasy sense in that season opener? Um, so you, you look towards the run game a little bit more. Um, I, I think that this, this obviously helps the passing game as well because Goff isn't going to be getting pressured up the middle as routinely as he would be if Chris Jones. Uh, was out there, and, and yeah, that, that really has been a, a huge development um, that, that really is starting to get a lot of attention. Um, we, we've seen the, the total in this game go up a little bit over the course of the last week. Um, we've seen the, the uh, betting line go from like seven points to uh, six and a half in favor of the Chiefs. So um, it does feel like there's a chance that, that the Lions are going to be able to move the ball a little bit better as a result of Chris Jones likely being out for this game. Um, I feel like it, it makes David Montgomery much more viable in your flex spot. Um, I don't know if it really changes anything for Jameer Gibbs one way or the other, though, because I, I think that he, his primary usage is going to be used on the outside run um, and in the, in the passing game. So I don't, I don't think that he would have been seeing a ton um, of Chris Jones anyway, but you definitely feel better about David Montgomery now. You mentioned that total going up. So how about the Chiefs? Uh, they might be needing to chase some points here or score some more points. Uh, other than Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, are you interested in playing some other Chiefs this week? So uh, they are going to be one of the trickiest offenses 
to figure out over the course of the entire season. I think Pacheco is someone that you can still feel good about starting um, in this game. It's important to remember that this is a, a Lions defense that was pretty bad last year, so I think it's important to bear that in mind, um, even if the, some of the the names that we see on the receiver depth chart are, are maybe not your, your household names. Um, I think my favorite of this Kansas City uh, wide receiver group for this week is probably Sky Moore. We'll have to keep an eye, continue to keep an eye on Darius Tony and, and how uh, ready he is. Is he going to be on a pitch count whatsoever coming off of that uh, meniscus injury um, during training camp? But Sky Moore, I think, is set up to be um, the primary slot weapon. So I think the targets are going to be funneling his way. Guys like Marquez Valdez, Dan playing, um, and, and Rasheed Rice, more of like your outside, deep down the field guys. Um, so that. I'm not really expecting a super high target volume for either of them, so that, that makes them a lot more volatile. I think it makes them uh, worthwhile in DFS contests, but if, you, if you're just starting them in your redraft league this week, I, I might try to see what, what my other options are. Okay, on Sunday, I think there's kind of a similar situation. First up, the Steelers' offense, it seems, is going to be facing a 49ers defense without Nick Bosa. I heard on ESPN, I don't watch preseason games except for the Cardinals, and I have to watch their games, unfortunately. But I heard on ESPN that Kenny Pickin was the preseason MVP. Uh, is he a number two quarterback in fantasy? Uh, what Steelers receivers do you, you know, want the most? And how do you view the you know, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren situation? Yeah, the Steelers offense is very interesting going into this year because it, it obviously had a lot of flaws last year, but a lot of them were, were you know, somewhat forgivable. His first year um, for Kenny Pickett, it was a new offense for everyone to be learning, and I, I didn't feel like their offensive line uh, personnel was, was really something that was going to help them win games. Uh, they, they've made fixes on that front. Um, they added also Darnell Washington to help blocking at the tight end. And, yes, Pickett does, you know, like you said, you you got to take preseason with a grain of salt, but it looks like he knows what he's doing out there at the very least. And I think that he has the requisite amount of talent to where he can be a solid game manager and he has enough weapons around him uh, to where you feel um, good about him if you play in those super flex type of leagues or, or if you need to start him uh, when your starter's on a bye. I feel like you could have done a lot worse this draft season than going with Kenny Pickett. As far as those uh, Steelers receivers, um, I, I I do think that Deontay Johnson won't get shut out of the end zone uh, this year, but I, I don't think that that necessarily stops him from fading into being the, the number two receiver on this team for fantasy. I think George Pickens is the real deal. He's even further removed from that knee injury in college now. Um, he looks like just kind of an unstoppable guy on the outside and deep down the field. So Pickens is my guy. Um, among this, this Steelers offense, and I really like uh, Pat Fryermuth's projection for this year as well. I feel like he, he's a tight end that, that got drafted outside of that like first and second tier um, at the position group that I think could easily find himself getting drafted uh, next year where like Darren Waller is getting drafted this year. Talking fantasy football, week number one with John McKechnie of rotowire.com. All right, Cleveland hosting uh, Cincinnati. Joe Burrow has been slowed for weeks. Uh, and there's differing opinions about Deshaun Watson. What Bengals and Browns do you most want this week, fantasy-wise? Um, so with the Bengals, it, it is pretty straightforward. As long as, as Burrow's out there, then I think you're, you're starting Jamar Chase. 
um, and T. Higgins and Joe Mixon without really thinking about it. But the, the thing with the, the Bengals is that they are a little bit top-heavy on offense, and, you know, rightfully so. I mean, what, why would you uh, go away too, too much from the, from the likes of Higgins and Jamar Chase? But uh, Tyler Boyd, you know, that, that kind of puts him on, on the uh, bubble for this week as to whether you want to start him in your fantasy league. I think the Browns, uh, you know, kind of a similar deal where Elijah Moore is is right on that bubble. Not really sure how we're feeling about him for, for this week. He should step into that number two role in that, in that uh, Browns offense. Um, if I have a better option than Deshaun Watson at, at quarterback, I'm probably inclined to use him this week. But, again, where you where you took him in the eighth or ninth round, you might not have a better quarterback on your roster that, that has a better matchup. So, um, he's right right at like that QB10 uh, number for, for me this week. So a low-end um, QB1 because we, we frankly, like you alluded to, don't really know which Deshaun uh, we're getting. Is it going to be the one that the return from suspension was bad last year or is it the one that we last saw in Houston? Um, but I, I think regardless, you're still uh, firing up Amari Cooper and David Njoku as far as those pass-catching options. Um, again, more sort of like Tyler Boyd, a, a, a fringe guy. Um, I think in PPR, uh, you, you consider them a little bit more strongly. And then uh, you know, Nick Chubb, is, uh, is, you know, there's a pretty good chance that, that he ends up this season as a top three, potentially top uh, running back one overall. Yeah, I actually wanted to get him in my big fantasy league at the draft yesterday, and he got scooped up before I was drafting in the first round, so I was pretty disappointed about that. All right, another quarterback game, at least in my mind in some ways, Green Bay at Chicago. How do you view uh, you know, Love, Jordan Love and Justin Fields and uh, what other Packers and Bears fantasy players might be good this week, at least this week and maybe beyond? Right. So um, I would say that for, for the Packers, um, Jordan Love is not someone that, that you're starting with, with a whole lot of confidence, but I don't think that necessarily needs to stop you from using uh, the Packers that you took in the first 10 rounds. So I, I think that Christian Watson is, is far and away the, the safest uh, pass catcher for, for the Packers. I think he's got great big playability. And you look at this at this Bears defense that had a lot of problems last year. I'm not sure that they are fixed completely going into this one. Um, but, you know, then, then you get into the Romeo Dobbs, the Jaden Reeds of the world. I think that those guys are, are on my DFS only uh, radar for, for this week. I, I'm not really considering them. Uh, too much um, in my in my redraft for, for this week, um, and I think with with the Bears, you, you're you're good to start Justin Fields regardless. Um, you know he's top five or six uh, fantasy quarterback. DJ Moore is really the only pass catcher that I feel comfortable starting this week, and I think the most important and interesting storyline to, to keep an eye on for fantasy coming out of this game is what the Bears running back rotation looks like. Like first off. Does Justin Fields run as much as he did last year or are more carries getting distributed to those running backs? And then what is the pecking order? Is it Khalil Herbert still the, as the number one guy now that David Montgomery is gone? It, the, do we see Deontay Foreman take on a bigger role than we were expecting? Do we take uh, rookie Roshan Johnson uh, seeing a, a lighter role potentially that, than some of his big uh, proponents were, were expecting earlier this offseason? So that, that I think might be um, one of Certainly one of the biggest fantasy storylines from, from this game particularly, but I think for, uh, from this entire slate of games overall, because I think the market was so split 
on this Bears backfield over the course of draft season. Um, it's time to see, you know, who was right in this one because it's very polarized. Meanwhile, the Cowboys and the Giants, they play on Sunday night. I'm not sure. I think either offense has an edge here. I think that the defenses might have an edge, at least this week. How do you evaluate Dallas and the Giants for this week? Yeah, it should, it should be a fun game. I mean, a, a nice uh, NFC East uh, Sunday night game uh, to, to really uh, keep the weekend rolling. Uh, we, we see the, the Cowboys checking in as three-point uh, road favorite, three-and-a-half at some shops, so – the, the total in this game is not overly high, so that, I think that, that speaks to your point there about the defenses may, maybe having a slight edge in this one. I, I think that that Giants defense has the potential to be really good this year in the Cowboys. Um, they, they've been going with a kind of a studs and scrubs approach defensively. They, they've got yeah. a handful of great players and a handful of players that uh, you, you probably don't really want starting um, on, on your defense. So. I'm kind of expecting a Daniel Jones regression this year, and I'm not sure that um, all the upgrades, save for, for Darren Waller on, on this uh, receiving core, um, are necessarily going to pan out. I think that a lot of them are kind of mediocre talent at, at this stage of their career, so I, I'm not sold on the fact that, that Daniel Jones is surrounded by superstars that are going to elevate his game. So I, I definitely understand why, why the Cowboys are favored in, in this one. Um, I think from a fantasy perspective, Daniel Jones becomes like a, a fringe uh, startable guy. I think Dak Prescott's kind of in that similar vein. You're obviously starting Saquon Barkley and, and Tony Pollard, C.D. Lamb, and uh, Darren Waller. Those are the only surefire fantasy guys for, for this game. I, th- I think, you know, your, your Isaiah Hodgins, uh, your Paris Campbells, Darius Slayton's of the world, a, a lot more uh, tricky to, to justify using. And I, I do think Brandon Cook. Um, it is on that flex radar for, for this week and his debut uh, with the Cowboys. I, I like his fit within this offense. Monday night, Aaron Rodgers and the Jets against the Bills. Is Rodgers a number two fantasy quarterback? And how might the Bills' offense do against what seems to be a pretty good Jets defense? I'm expecting this Bills' offense to struggle. I think one of my um, you know, potentially hotter takes coming into this season is I think we're looking at some regression uh, coming for the Buffalo Bills. I think the division around them has gotten tougher to Jets, uh, namely among that group. And, you know, I, I feel like the Bills didn't really fix their flaws that, that were you know, really put on display against the Bengals in the postseason last year so. Um, I feel like the, the Jets have a chance to win this one outright. I think that Rodgers, I think he, he's startable in 14-teamers. I think 12-teamers, it's, it's maybe a little bit more um, up for discussion. You're certainly feeling good on, on the Bills' side about starting Josh Allen, even still, and, and Stephon Diggs. Um, but beyond that, uh, when it comes to the Jets uh, particularly, um, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, what recalls projection looks like and, and being able to, to get a, a true glimpse of what he looks like and how how much of the, the carry split they want to give him versus Dalvin Cook, who obviously was signed a few weeks ago to, to help give recall a, a bit of a breather coming off the significant knee injury that ended his rookie season last year. So that that is similar to the, to the Bears a little bit, um, a really important backfield to monitor for this one, and I, I think the Bills one is too, for a certain extent, because James Cook is someone that uh, has has only gone up in drafts over the course of this offseason. Someone that was going in like the tenth round of drafts in the early part before the draft, 
um, the NFL draft. I mean, and then, you know, Damian, Damian Harris gets signed. But over the course of, of training camp in particular, I started seeing James Cook going in the, in the seventh, sometimes even uh, the sixth mm-hmm. round. So we'll, we'll see if that um, draft helium uh, ended up being worthwhile or, or, or a bit of a trap. Uh, for, for James Cook investors, because I still think that there, there's a chance that Damian Harris um, is that uh, primary between the tackles guy for, for the Bills and in short yardage situations. Because I don't think James Cook uh, physically is really cut out for, for that type of role so much, whereas Harris has proved uh, that he can handle that role uh, extremely well at, the, at this level um, just a couple of seasons ago when he was still in New England. So, so keeping an eye on, on the situational carry split in Buffalo is, is really, I think, the, the fantasy key storyline uh, from this matchup. Talking fantasy football, John McKechnie of rotowire.com. Okay, three individuals to discuss here to wrap it up. Uh, let's start with the injury front. Cooper Cup has a hamstring issue. Last I saw, he was headed to see a specialist. Season long, would you be more interested in buying or selling Cooper Cup? Probably, probably. That's tough because I think if you sell him now, it, it's going to be some some semblance of, of pennies on the dollar. Um, that there's really uh, there's so much skepticism about him being ready to go, and and I think also you look at how last year ended, where he is in his career arc. You know, he came into the league a little bit older um, than a lot of rookies do, so um, it, selling him. Right now it is, is tough. I think my, my advice for those that, that did take Cooper Cup in the first round is, is to just hold on and, and, and hope that, um, you know, he, he takes the time to get fully healthy, get this thing back up to 100%, and then just is Cooper Cup for the last um, 12, 13 weeks of the season um, for, from there because I, I'm, I'm very dubious on the idea of Cooper Cup being at 100% um, really at any time in the month of September. Since we talked last Tuesday at this time, Jonathan Taylor, at that time he wasn't traded. Uh, we didn't know if he was going to be traded, but it turns out he was not. Uh, he's out for at least the first four weeks of the season on the pup list. What? How do you approach Taylor this season at this point? So if if, uh, if you drafted him like uh, over the last week or so, I, I would imagine that you he's got a pretty good discount. But I'm I'm skeptical that that he's able to to do a whole lot. Um, this season, I think that, that, like you said, there missing the first uh, month or so of the season that already knocks down his, his fantasy value pretty tremendously. Um, we don't know what that offense is going to even look like when he gets back. Uh, it seems like that it's such an odious situation between him uh, and the front office that, that I think you, your best hope um, is, is that eventually the Indianapolis breaks down and, and, and lowers their, their uh, trade offer requirements and, and ultimately. Uh, moves in somewhere potentially like a, a Chicago or, or a Miami, as, as was reported last week. They're they're kicking the tires on a potential uh, trade for Jonathan Taylor. Okay, Josh Jacobs is last, and we talked about him a little bit last week. He just came into camp. He's been there for about a week. Do we like Jacobs this week against the Broncos? So I'm I'm expecting I'm, I'm expecting him to, to get the same type of usage that that he did a year ago right off the bat. I don't think that he gets eased in um, necessarily. I don't I don't think that the Raiders really have that luxury. And this is a divisional game. It's an important game for them. Um, so, uh, and Jacobs, other than Devontae Adams, is their best offensive player. So I think that they throw him 
right back into the fire. You know, he's a guy who's averaging well over 20 carries a lot of the time last season. So I'm expecting him to hit the ground running. But it is important to note that this, that the Broncos defense um, that was uh, tremendous last year, like, it, you know, the, the famous stat that has been, you know, memed into the ground was if the Broncos were able to uh, average 18.1 points offensively last season, they, they would have made the playoffs. Um, so that's a pretty serious defense. So I'm, I'm not expecting RB1 type of production from Jacobs, but I'm starting him nonetheless, just kind of hoping that, that he can still return top 15-ish value in week one. All right, John, why don't you let everybody know how they can get a hold of your stuff and uh, listen to you and your various outlets. All right, so you can find me on Twitter at John's underscore tailgate, um, and you can find uh, my work over on rotowire.com and on Rotowire's uh, podcast network. I do our uh, NFL weekly preview show on Thursdays. Uh, we live stream that as well on YouTube. At, that's at 11 a.m. Eastern time. And then uh, my, myself and Nick Whalen um, host a uh, NFL betting-specific uh, podcast, and that, that usually will, will run uh, in your podcast feeds on uh, Friday uh, Friday mornings every, every single week. So, so keep an eye uh, for those. And I also um, am still writing our drafting uh, college football article every single week. That, that comes out on Fridays as well. Good stuff, John. As always, we appreciate it. We'll get into the usual routine next week with a review of what we've seen, waiver wire stuff, and a preview of the week ahead. Sounds great. Can't wait. I can't believe the season's here. I'm so excited. Thank you. Me too. Thanks. John McKechnie, rotowire.com. Excellent stuff. John will be joining us once again for the entire season in this segment on Tuesdays. All right, next segment, phone call time. If you want to get in, general discussion, 602-260-1060. Also, we'll get to some local roundup. that include some Diamondbacks, actually some Cardinals to start with. Very little Cardinals, just a couple of things to point out. Uh, some Diamondbacks, little from a, uh, the, excuse me, the U of A and the NAU on, uh, from Saturday night. And whatever else I can jam into the next segment, that'll be today's local roundup. If you want to get in, though, 602-260-1060, general discussion. Lots of stuff has happened since we heard last Friday. And then uh, we'll wrap up the show, as always, on this Tuesday one-hour edition of the Sports Zone with uh, the national roundup. Once again, we'll see how long I, I ramble on this next segment, and we'll get in some national roundup stuff, and uh, including a little, at least some NFL latest line week one stuff in that final segment of today's show. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time if you want to get in general discussion 602-260-1060. All right, uh, topping today's local roundup, the Cardinals are seven-point underdogs in week one at Washington. We will talk uh, Cardinals in the 9-15 segment of the Wednesday Sports Zone with Howard Balzer of phnx.com. So uh, write that down in your uh, calendar for tomorrow at 9-15. Also, the Cardinals announced on Monday that they re-signed long snapper Aaron Brewer to a uh, to the active roster. That's not surprising because, you know, he didn't get claimed on waivers. We kind of anticipated last week that this could happen. Meanwhile, the Diamondbacks are four game, four days excuse me, into a stretch of uh, 17 games in 17 days. The Diamondbacks on Monday, 
uh, they basically uh, you know, continued their season-long trend to beating the bad teams. Merrill Kelly, on, uh, Mary, Merrill Kelly tried to say, on Monday tied a career high with 12 strikeouts. They beat the Rockies 4-2. to two. Unfortunately, Kelly, for the third time in less than a month, forced to leave with cramping, this time a hamstring issue. Paul Sewald added another shaky save. He allowed an RBI double to Elias Diaz in the ninth inning before Sewald collected his uh, 30th save and 35 chances if you count Seattle and Arizona this season. Meanwhile, the bottom line, the Diamondbacks are 39-21 this season against teams with winning records. But after going 1-5 last week against the first-place Dodgers and first-place Orioles, the Diamondbacks now 32-46 against teams above 500. Some personnel news, and the Diamondbacks did make some moves on Monday. Uh, they activated outfielder Dominic Fletcher, and then they placed him on the 60-day injured list with a fractured left uh, index finger. Uh, also, left-handed pitcher Andrew uh, you know, self seal Frank. I'm not familiar with Andrew. My bad. That seal Frank, I believe, is how he pronounces his last name. He was uh, selected from Triple A Reno. He was eight and two with a 243 uh, earned run average in 44 games this season between the Aces and Double A Amarillo. The Diamondbacks also optioned right-handed pitcher uh, Slade Chaconi back to Triple A Reno. Chaconi obviously not a good start starter with the weekend against the Orioles. Meanwhile, previously over the weekend, the Diamondbacks recalled Paven Smith, Emmanuel Rivera, uh, Rivera, and also Luis, Luis Frias from AAA Reno, and they optioned uh, infielder Buddy Kennedy, who I didn't understand why he was here last year. I don't know why he was back this year. He's not a good. He's not a major league player. He seems to. I don't know if he's a nice guy or not. I assume he is, but he shouldn't be in a major league roster, quite frankly, at this point. Tonight, game two of the series against the Rockies, Brandon Fott, uh, one and seven with a 621 run average. Better of late for the most part, except when he got clobbered by the Dodgers last week. But who didn't get clobbered by the Dodgers last week, at least as far as the Diamondbacks are concerned? Uh, the Braves ended up going into Los Angeles and winning three out of four games after the Diamondbacks got clobbered three straight days in Dodger Stadium. But anyway... Uh, the Diamondbacks pitching staff, that did not go well last week in Los Angeles. Tonight, it's Brandon Fodd against Kyle Freeland, who is 5-14 with a 5-18 or a run average for the uh, Colorado Rockies. Meanwhile, a little U of A football here. Very little, quite frankly. Uh, the undisciplined play of the uh, Jed Fish era continued on uh, Saturday night. They, did, uh, they didn't lose to NAU for the second time in three seasons. In fact, they won 38-3. They led just 14-3 in the third quarter on Saturday night. NAU actually had scored a touchdown that was nullified by penalty. That was almost immediately, I think it was two plays later, followed by the blocked field goal that was returned for a touchdown. That gave the U of a 21-3 lead. They eventually win the game 38-3, as I mentioned. The U of a multiple... Offside penalties on the defensive side of the ball, that's something we've seen frequently in the Jed Fish era. Also, some foolish personnel, uh, personal foul penalties, we've seen that throughout the Jed Fish era. It just doesn't ever seem to get any better, quite frankly. Just stupid penalties, and they don't have enough margin for error against the good teams, but that's going to you know, result in them winning a game. But they were playing NAU, and NAU, not good, but uh, they did lose to them two years ago. Uh, 
when the U of A was really not good. They've gotten better, but this notion that they're that much improved, I'm going to need to see that first before I'm going to fall for it. Meanwhile, the U of A still has plenty of playmakers at running back and receiver, but the, and the offensive line might actually be pretty good. That's one thing I'm going to monitor uh, for the season, uh, early in the season, and maybe change my opinion about them, but we'll see. Jaden Delore, for the most part, was good. 332 and four touchdown passes. Uh, the U of A, in uh, the last couple of days in the betting market, have gone from eight to 10 point underdogs. Saturday night against their Saturday at Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State routed uh, Southeast Louisiana 48 to 7 in their opener on Saturday. Also, uh, just quickly, a couple of uh, Major League Baseball things as far as the wild card goes. Uh, the Cubs, uh, I keep saying this, I've been saying this for a few weeks now. Justin Steele should be the National League Cy Young Award winner. Yesterday, he had two. Uh, he pitched two hit ball through eight innings. A big part of their, uh, you know, their, their season surge has been him. Uh, he's been tremendous. The Cubs beat the Giants yesterday, 5-0. Uh, Steele is now 16 and three in the season. He's now matched Spencer Strider with the most wins in the National League. Steele's won seven straight games as a four, he's won seven straight decisions. Let's put it that way. And uh, you know, he hasn't lost a game since July the 16th. As I mentioned several weeks ago, at least three weeks ago, I think that he should win the National League Cy Young Award. Apparently, he's not even in the top two or three of the odds, so maybe that'll change. Meanwhile, the Giants have now lost four in a row and 17 of their last 25. The Reds yesterday beat the Mariners. Spencer Steer, a three-run homer to help the Reds beat the Mariners 6-3 to three in that game. Playoff contenders, uh, obviously uh, the Mariners in first place. The Reds began the day in a four-place tie for the third wild-card spot in the National League. The Mariners, uh, you know, 39 and 18 since July the first. Uh, that's uh, tied for the. Uh, that actually is the best record in Major League Baseball over that span. Meanwhile, the Phillies just continue to play home run derby. Kyle Schwarber hit another home run at Petco Park. Uh, Trey Turner and Edmundo Sosa connected. And the Phillies uh, beat the Padres yesterday 9-7. That's the first time that they've played in San Diego since the National League Championship Series last year. The Phillies have now homered in 17 consecutive games. Uh, Kyle Schwarber reached base five times yesterday, including three walks. Uh, the uh, Phillies beat the Padres. Uh, actually, they ended the Padres' first four-game winning streak of the season. The Padres had not won four games at any point. Before uh, before the previous four games to yesterday, uh, they were the only team in Major League Baseball not uh, with a. They're actually they're the only team without a winning streak longer than three games until the four games before yesterday. Meanwhile, the Phillies hold the National League top wild card spot. They've won seven in their last ten games, and the lowly Padres are below 500 since May the 12th. They've been below 500. And now they've lost seven of their last 11, even uh, after winning four consecutive games before yesterday. All right, that's it for the local roundup in the National League wild card update. Up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's sensational one-hour radio program. With the National Roundup, we'll get to a little from the scoreboard, uh, some college football from the weekend. Also, we'll get to some, if we have time for the college football for the weekend. If we don't get to it in the next segment, we'll certainly get to it 
uh, tomorrow during the extra point with Kayla, some of the weekend college football observations. But also in the next segment, we'll get to a couple of these NFL line updates from week number one. Uh, of course, that starts on Thursday night. And John mentioned in the last segment the Chiefs are, you know, six and a half point favorite. The total is creeping up in this game. 54 and a half is the consensus number around the world for the most part. There are some 55s out there in the opener against the Lions on Thursday night. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD2 100.7. All right, back, final segment here. We thank you for listening, as always, and special thanks to callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, whatever else, if through the cracks. Also, our, our guest today, Fantasy Football Week Number 1 Preview, John McKechnie of rotowire.com, joined us, and we'll get back into the usual routine with John next week. John will join us every Tuesday at 915 Throughout the season until the time charge show changes, 9.15 until we'll let you know when the, t- the time changes and all those things happen. So anyway, 9.15 for now. Uh, meanwhile, uh, sound day courtesy of Fox, ACC Digital Network, Major League Baseball, Pac-12 Network, and also KLAA in Los Angeles. Special thanks as always to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. All right, a couple things here. I mentioned the Chiefs, uh, the, uh, the uh, opener on Thursday night against Detroit. The Chiefs, a six-and-a-half-point favor. That's pretty much universal across the world. The total anywhere, the main the consensus is 54-and-a-half, but there are 55s out there if you're looking around there. Want to bet the under in that game and you know, see how high it goes and then maybe bet the under I would imagine this might go even higher than 55 because it's a standalone game on a Thursday night, first game of the season. A lot of people are going to bet, etc. Some other games of note, Cleveland uh, hosting Cincinnati on Sunday. Uh, the Bengals uh, opened to 2.5 point favorites, still sitting at 2.5. Total opened at 48, now down to 47.5. Guessing that Joe Burrow's uh, you know, absence for the majority of the uh, of the uh, you know, training camp and didn't play at all in the preseason. I'm guessing that might be why the total is done down a little bit. Uh, Tennessee's in New Orleans on Sunday. Two teams that I picked to win their respective divisions. Uh, New Orleans opened three and a half down to three. Total opened at 41, still sitting at 41, even though there are some 41 and a halfs worldwide. San Francisco at Pittsburgh game we talked about with John and the uh, Fantasy segment today, San Francisco opened three, now down to two and a half after Kenny Pickett was the MVP of the preseason, according to ESPN, at least the ESPN, uh, the NFL live show that's on uh, Monday through Friday from one to two o'clock our time. Anyway, San Francisco's gone from three to two and a half, total sitting at 41 in this game. The Cardinals open the season at Washington. Uh, sevens pretty much everywhere. There are some sevens minus 115, minus 120, so it might be creeping up a little bit. Uh, the total in that game opened 38.5 down to 38. Uh, and then on uh, also uh, the Seahawks game that we talked about in the, uh, in the uh, pipeline with the Cooper Cup injury, uh, the Seahawks uh, opened four, uh, four-point favorite up to five. There are some five-and-a-halves out there this morning that I just noticed a few moments ago. Depending on where you do your shopping, seems like there's more five and a halfs in the state of Nevada than anywhere else. Total in that game 
Open 46 and a half, now down to 46. I'm guessing the Cups injury has something to do with that. Sunday night football, Dallas is at the Giants. Uh, Dallas, a three and a half point road favorite in that game. Total 47. The opening number now down to 46 and a half. And then uh, Sunday, uh, Sunday, excuse me, Monday night, uh, the opener, Buffalo at the Jets. The Aaron Rodgers hype begins. Buffalo opened a one and a half point favorite. They're up to two and a half. So, you know, the betting market not believing the Jets. Total sitting at uh, 46, 46 and a half. That's actually gone down some ticks from the opening number of 47. Quickly, some college football for the weekend. Florida State dominated the second half, defeated LSU. Colorado, of course, stole the headlines with uh, you know, Shadur Sanders, uh, Dion's child, uh, kid. 510 yards passing. That's a school record for CU as they win at TCU. Duke outclassed Clemson last night. They just beat them every way possible, quite frankly, and won 28-7. And North Carolina uh, just dominated on defense. Haven't said that for a long time, football or basketball. North Carolina beat South Carolina 31-17. All right, that's it for the Sports Zone for today. We'll be back tomorrow with a full three hours of local pro- uh, programming in the morning. The Sports Zone from 9 to 10. That'll be followed by, that'll include a Cardinals update, by the way, with Howard Balzer in the 9:15 segment. Then, of course, we'll have the Extra Point hosted by Kayla from 10 to noon. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.